What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. A seventh win in a row edition. Not joined by Noah Lurch today. Uh, with it being Friday night and you know plans for one of us and one getting off work, had to push it to right now, and that's quite all right. Try not to make it as long as usual when I do solos. So I'm Nick Malone jo- doing this. Once again, solo to recap the win that was Wednesday night, the massive win against the Drake Bulldogs that got us the seven straight win. Along with everything else, I mentioned, and I'll have takeaways from that game, a stats update from Mike, some some uh, interesting Valley news. I'll get to what the recent games were. Some other topics I mentioned, Kennard, and Noah is more aware of what, where we're going tomorrow for the Highland, but I do have... Something to help me with information of who's going to be there. Him and I have talked about it endlessly. We're excited for tomorrow. We'll talk about that with Kennard. Uh, and then obviously a preview of the UNI Panthers for tomorrow's 1 o'clock game. Some stats with them. Some other stuff. Ben Jacobson interview, which was really insightful, really good earlier that Mike posted of him. No other interviews, though. We'll get Brian's tomorrow. As we know, I may be a, uh, a player. We're hoping to get JD. We were... Because uh, we, you know, he's back. Haven't heard of him all season long, and he's playing really well. It'd be nice to hear from JD or Scotty, one or the other. Uh, so I'll talk about that game, and I mentioned Scotty at the end there, and that's where I'll start with some pregame news. I was going to tweet it out, didn't. Obviously, we wait to see if we find out about it. Found out when they posted his interview early in the day that Scotty had been practicing and was a game time decision for Wednesday's game and I said it you know during the game that maybe we probably won't see him unless there's foul trouble by one of them and then one of them and then he has to step in so I'll get into his playing time he did play in this game so uh Obviously, it was the game after the crazy game on New Year's Day that had all the people and had all the excitement. There wasn't that many people here, that many people here, but there was still a good amount. Not sure what the attendance was on this. If it was like 71, 19 on New Year's Day, it was probably like low 5,000s probably-ish at times, and we actually got really good seats before that. I don't think there's anything else pregame to discuss. We just knew that Drake was going to be coming in mad after losing uh, recently uh, to Missouri State in a crazy game and a frustrating game for them. They were coming in hot, and I honestly could tell. You know, we weren't, you know, everyone's dunking in warm-ups. Nate Ferguson's over here throwing down windmills and between the legs. He didn't even play in this game. Uh, but they seemed like they had a little bit more energy than we did at the start of this game. You could just tell in warm-ups sometimes. And, you know, I mentioned they were watching movies the day before. So they've been in Carbondale, well-rested, probably excited for this one. And we know the game that happened last year where we couldn't get a shot off. They barely beat us. They had beat us however many times out of however many times. And we were looking for revenge to kick off the matchup this year, the preseason favorite Drake Bulldogs. And it was definitely an up-and-down kind of crazy game. So I mentioned Scotty with the pregame stuff and kind of how Drake looked over us. So jumping into the game, it was a really, really slow start to the game, I, it was it was five to three Drake at the end of the first uh, media timeout, which Sturts got on the board with them, kind of an easy layup. Uh, 
X did make a three. It was at 17:42 when we took the lead. It was one of those, you know, kind of his patented little step back threes. So people were standing for what two minutes and 15 seconds. Uh, finally got him. I mean, there's a lot of misses. Lance missed a three. Trent missed a layup. I think that was me and Noah talked about. It. I think he he drove last second and tried to put like a left-handed shot up on the other side of the rim. Wasn't bad. Uh, I think that was it. That might have been earlier on. I'm looking at the thing here. Marcus missed another another easy shot that he honestly should have made. Uh, Clarence got the offensive board, and then we couldn't get anything. I mentioned Sturd scored Xavier with his step back three with at the near the end of the shot clock, and then there was no points until Sturts made two free throws, foul on Clarence, so five to three, and that's where we stood out of the official timeout. And then Brody had a layup. Uh, he got the best of Clarence at the start of this game. He did. So we're down 7-3. to three. Connor Enright comes in. We'll get to Connor in a matchup we should have had for him. We, uh, him and Scotty's high school coach was actually uh, in attendance, which was cool. I don't, I don't think we retweeted it. We didn't know that when we did the preview uh, Tuesday. But that was really cool. Got to see both those guys play. Uh, and I'm trying to think here. I think there's only... I don't think it would tell me whenever Scotty got into this game. I know a different play-by-play might, so I'll keep scrolling here. And he did kill him. And this, he, there's really nothing. I guess he did to like even, you know, I guess I could do it in, in accordance with fouls on Clarence. Uh, so he got that one, and then Brody Brody scored, and then. Lance missed another three. Some more bad shots from Lance. Missed layup and then a missed three. After JD got another offensive rebound, I mentioned Enright. He made a three, made it 10-3. to three. Jawan still struggling to score, missed a jump shot. Then we turned it over. I want to say is whenever X threw it out of bounds when Troy came in uh, and threw it out. That might not even be it, but it was just a really bad turnover. Uh, Tucker made a three, 13-3. We got lucky near the end of the game with some shots that he had. Uh, Dalton missed a layup, and the Calhoun made a three, 16 to three. We had to call a timeout at that point. 13 minute mark, down 16 to three. Thought they were going to run us out of the gym. I mentioned how they looked a little bit more ready to play at the start of the game. Not saying we weren't, but they were just a little bit more upbeat, and they definitely played like it at the start. So, luckily, we were able to match them out of that that much needed timeout. You know, looking bleak, we're sitting over there. We had really good seats, uh, and just you know, we're thinking the worst of. You know, they're going to blow us out, which would not look great, honestly. And then out of the timeout, Troy got a three, cut at the 10. Marcus had a jump shot, so a small little run here. That TV timeout hit. Uh, JD with a, with a nice layup assisted by X. Uh, so 16 to 10 until Xavier went one of two from the free throw line. Eric Northweather came in. I mentioned how he, he played in every game in like 17 minutes, came in and relieved Brody decently. I think I'll get to I mean, he scored at one point in this game. He didn't really do anything else. Maybe rebounded, almost turned it over sometimes. So he came in. He missed a three after he came in, got a rebound, got a three. And then Sturts made a three. I remember seeing him warm-ups. All those guys were shooting threes. And I want to say he had been shooting them from the spot he made this one in. So we're down 19-11. to 11. Wilkins, a couple free throws. Wilkins was great in this game. I'll get to more. I'll be saying his name a lot more. So we're down by 10. This is when I think X turned it over when we're down by 10. He throws it out of bounds when Troy comes in. The DJ Wilkins made a jumper. I want to say this was whenever uh, it, we were, it was tough staying in front of DJ. We remember talking that, you know, DeVries was probably 
having bait, oh, Wilkins isn't really 100%, you know, playing, he's playing his heart out, but blah, blah, blah. He didn't play like it. And I'll get to one of his teammates that honestly looked like they were to 100%. And uh, that was Roman Penn. He had a turnover here after DJ made the jumper, a tough one. Like I said, hard to stay in front of him. Then Lance matched him with a layup. With 10, that was whenever Marcus kind of threw a partial alley-oop to Lance that he finished. Then here's the pin turnover. Lance got a steal, kept it in the kept it in the uh, half court. Dalton missed a jump shot. So it's still a 10-point game until X makes a jumper. I think that was one of his patented uh, floaters that he likes to do. Matched by DJ, Lance matched him. So still an 8-point game. Lance made a couple free throws when Roman fouled him. Uh, Darno Brody had a layup. I think that was when Scotty came in. Whenever he got it, he had an offensive board and tipped it back in. And uh, I'll just say it because it's obviously not on here at any point. Uh, Scotty came in. We were surprised. We said game time decision. And that took another foul by Clarence and relieving JD. Uh, and he was in, and the media came. And then he came, and then he made a diving play. Uh, oh, he, he got he uh, Brody scored on him, and then he went down the court. And then there was like a broken up play where he was, they, you know, they're trying to give it to him. And then he's, the ball's getting batted everywhere and it's headed out of bounds. And he dives on the floor to save it. I mean, just excellent effort from Scotty right out of the gates. Played probably a total and I'll get to it. Probably played, I don't even think, they don't even like reach a minute on the thing. Let me look real fast at the box score. Uh, yeah, one minute. Did, did get in the one minute. So we played, had the possession, had the TV timeout, came out of it. And then, uh, Lance tried to like to hit him on a kind of a fast break, threw it behind him and threw it uh, out of bounds. And, you know, at our angle, it, it was hard to tell because Brian took him out immediately and it was out of a timeout. And, you know, complaints about the uh, the rotations have been warranted this year and it seemed like that wasn't Scotty's fault at all. Like I said, the angle, whether it was it was thrown behind him, if he could have caught it, a guy that has barely played, that's kind of a bad spot you want to put him in later, Lance. But he took him immediately out. I guess J.D. was either ready or Brian didn't like what he saw from Scotty, which, again, he got scored on, but he had the effort play. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I think Brian would want guys in there that would, you know, reward, you know, the team and actually have those kind of plays. But but he didn't, so then he came out, and no one I kind of got into it because we're, you know, we're thinking of, like, why is he getting taken out? I mentioned, you know, just the usual breather, and he – came back with it was just out of a timeout and because I was just confused and I tried to defend it because it didn't make any sense why why Brian took him out because it wasn't really his fault in that moment and then we didn't see Scotty again so one minute into the game like I said got scored on and tried to save a ball from out of bounds and he didn't really get any other opportunities but he did get the, the taste of it and Marcus said after the game that people are going to know the name of Scotty Abube and they're going to they're gonna feel him in this league. So and that's what we've been saying, and, and their teammates are saying it. So we know Scotty's going to play a factor all. Then I'll get to him again. One of us might have him for a dog of the game for our next game. So all that happened when he was in. Like I said, Brody scored there off an offensive board. Marcus made a couple free throws, so we cut it to six. Then there was nothing until Juwan went one of two from the free throw line, down five. Tucker had a layup. Tucker was using a lot of – and it's what Darren said. He's not really – you know, totally relying on his, uh, you know, spot up jumper. He's using his strength to get inside more. And Lance Jones, I'll get to in the second half, did a phenomenal job on Tucker. Uh, on defense, he was he was face guarding him. 
almost the whole game, kind of a box and one. We weren't playing like that kind of style, but it seemed like it because that's how stuck Lance was to Tucker. Uh, but he was using his strength whenever we'd switch on him with like Dalton or Trent or, you know, Marcus was on him at times, which scared us. And, you know, he was using his strength, though, against some of the guards. Tried on Lance, but Lance was a lot stronger than our other guards to try to prevent those kind of things. But he did have a layup here. He actually was an and one on X. I actually think this one, this one wasn't one of those. I think this one was more of a uh, semi-transition and X fouled him. So he finished the and one. Jawan made a three finally. It was in the corner of Drake, and Jawan looked back at the bench. You know, Jawan, I feel like is, I'm not saying this necessarily, like that he's more concerned with like, talking crap to people on the on the floor or being just emotional out there than actually like and he's he's missing open shots I'm not saying he's focusing more on that than actually like scoring and stuff and such but I think that's how maybe he's always been in his career never noticed it against us and you know he I think he was kind of getting into it with Calhoun in this game and he's not backing out from anybody and but he finally made this corner three by Drake's bench uh, down by five with 48 seconds, and then JD got a layup, offensive board off of a Lance miss. JD, great finish, and down by three at half. So one of the go, one of the go, find what we look like at the half. But like I said, it was it was still manageable, no doubt about it. I mean, Lance was two of nine, only had six points. Marcus was getting, Sturts was getting to Marcus. He had two rebounds and assist, a turnover, did have a block, four points, one of four. Trent, 0 for 1. Clarence didn't even shoot. I mentioned he had the two fouls. Troy had the three. JD had awesome four points and six rebounds at the half. Jawan had four. Like I said, one free throw on the three. Uh, Dalton didn't score. And X had six, two of five, one of three from three. Did a couple other stuff as well. And then we were shooting. We were six of eight from the line. They were six of seven. We were shooting three of 11 from three. They were four of eight. Like I said, I feel like we were playing so bad, and we were only down by three, and that had a lot to do with still our defense at times, which exploded even more in the second half. Yeah, they were 10 of 29, we were 9 of 29 from the field. So doing pretty well. Both had the same amount of assists. We had three steals at the half, uh, and they had six turnovers to our four, and I'll get to the final number at the end. It was, again, in single digits, which obviously benefited us a lot in this game. We're getting really, we're getting a lot better at that. And I don't recall if Drake was good at turning teams over. I knew, I just know they were good at not turning it over themselves. So that was the first half. And the second half, like I said, three-point lead could have been, you know, was honestly looking great. Uh, Marcus hit, hit X on a layup to cut it to one. And then Wilkins, who was just dogging all game, hit a three to make it four. Uh, and Tucker had, I think, this was one of the – he got it uh, – they just went down court. I think this is whenever Tucker got one of his uh, interior points. Uh, Clarence at one of two from the free throw line. Uh, let's see. I mean, DJ was getting shots up. He missed, thankfully. Tucker then made a three. I want to say if this was at the 14-minute mark, because I don't know if he made another one, so this obviously had to be the one whenever they blew a play dead because I forgot uh, who shot it here. Uh, Wilkins shot one that at first didn't look like it hit the rim. Uh, Calhoun got the rebound and kicked it back out to the top of the key. You heard a whistle, so our guy stopped defending, and the Tucker threw up a, a heave at the uh, at the top of the key and hit it, and then they waved off time, and then they reviewed it to see if it did hit the rim and if Tucker could have got the ball off in those, like, two or less seconds that would have been left on the shot clock. Then, of course, you know, they ended up giving to him. There were a lot of fans screaming about 
what the rule was and that you can't allow whatever and it just baffles us that we knew those points were going to count so then there was a six-point game after all that nonsense marcus made a couple free throws wilkins had another three so we're down seven at 1248 northweather uh got fouled made the layup did not make the free throws a foul on jd there weren't points until dalton had one of his nice layups again on north weatherton uh, or north weather and then nothing for a while until marcus made a couple free throws at 839 uh cut it to three after those uh you know so we're, we're really at hand i want to say there was more points in here that i don't know about Dal after dalton had the layup it was seven and then I'm not sure. And then all of a sudden it jumps up and Marcus had free throws and then we're down by three all of a sudden. I don't see anything else between those. So the Marcus had another layup, couldn't stop him. This is whenever he got deep on uh, this was assisted by Troy. Got us a one point lead, a, a one point deficit at eight minute mark. And this was whenever or it's even, no, it's lower than this, sorry. So Roman Penn finally had a jump shot. I think that was his first make of the game. Marcus, two more free throws. And then here it was, down by one, 45 to 44. Stops galore. Roman Penn turned it over. Marcus missed a layup. He got his offensive rebound. Dalton turned it over. This is whenever Dalton, I forgot how he turned it over. It was a bad pass or something. Just, okay, so back-to-back -back wasted possessions and got them to turn it over. Northweather turned it over. And then uh, Lance turned it over. I forgot what play that was. And then... It was Wilkins missed, and then we went down. Troy turned it over because he was trying to do his patented, you know, dribble baseline off a rip and lost it out of bounds. So more wasted possessions at 543, still down one. Weatherton, Weather turned it over. This one, Lance turned it over. So three straight turnover possessions, awful. Um, and that was, I think, yeah, that was a foul on uh, Lance. It was an offensive foul. And then touchy fouls. Dalton had a touchy foul. Tucker missed one of his layups when he got deep. We got the rebound. Still more missed layups on our end. Weren't able to take advantage until Marcus finally made a jump shot to give us a one-point lead at the three-minute mark. And then we then we were up three out of a TV timeout. Roman Pitt missed a layup. JD rebound. Marcus had a layup. And then Wilkins matched him. So we're only uh, we're only up by one. And then Brody gets a clutch layup. Whenever there was chaos, he got an offensive rebound after Roman missed one of his slop ups. Fifty seconds down one. I don't. Nobody. I don't think was panicking at that moment. Knew there was a lot of time. I just knew that it was gonna bank on, and we called the timeout, and we knew it was just gonna bank on having a great offensive possession. That's why the timeout was good to know what you wanted to run, even though sometimes we know that doesn't even matter. So, and out of that, arguably the shot of the year outside of his shot against Oklahoma State, no doubt that one was pretty big. This one though. When chaos was ensuing in our possession, nothing was going. Near the end of the shot clock, Marcus at the left wing, and Brian said after the game this was kind of more Marcus likes that area. So he, he caught it in the post at the really, really high post near the three-point line where he caught it. And then, of course, uh, you know, faces up, Tucker was guarding him, drills a three to give us a two-point lead in the face of the preseason player of the year. Lance got the assist, but Marcus held it for a while. He didn't take any more dribbles to warrant. He was just facing him up, and it went, and Tucker turned it over. And then Calhoun fouled Marcus at 11 seconds left, still up by two. All Marcus had to do was make, obviously, both, and we're looking good. There would have been a timeout fest, and it kind of was like that anyway. But Marcus missed the free throw. Tucker got the rebound. They went down. 
pivotal here. They took off obviously all the seconds off the clock. Roman goes down, wants to draw the petty foul, throws it up, misses it. Tucker, who would have made this shot no matter what at any point, it's crazy. He missed a tip, a tip in, missed a tip in to tie the game. As long as they weren't going for threes, which obviously would have been devastating after that miss, and that falls into more of you know, having heart attacks at the end of games because we can't finish and we can't make free throws. And of course, our best player misses the, the biggest free throw after hitting the biggest shot. So we, and you know, we're hearts beating out the chest. No one do not give up a three. And we were talking before, if Marcus made both, then you needed to foul, which hopefully we know we saw that before Brian hadn't done that. And we got lucky. I think it was against Cal Baptist, got lucky and fouled and weren't even trying to. So I guess that's not in, in Brian's back pocket, even though it should be. That's definitely the smart way to finish a game. But he missed it, so it didn't matter. Missed by Roman. Tucker missed the tip in. Marcus got the rebound. They fouled him, and he made both. We won by four. It was almost the exact score that they lost by Missouri State by. They were 52. Drake scores 49 points back-to-back games. Like I said, Marcus finishes it off. One of the best wins in a while. We we were one-point favorites going into the game, a 127 over-under. That obviously didn't get close. Didn't expect really this kind of game. We thought they were going to put up 70 to 80 on us after the start when we were going to score whatever, but we managed it at halftime and got back with the win. Let's go through the box score here. Uh, like I said, let me, if I went through theirs, Brody had a 7.10 rebound game. Him and Sturts, and that was a big part of this game too. They were both in foul trouble. We were able to get both of them in foul trouble which was huge. Sturtz was mad at some points when DeVries would take him out because he was fine whenever he had three fouls, but he ended up, uh, let's see, he ended up not fouling. I both of them ended up four, but they obviously came out in crucial spots. Uh, so Brody, seven and 10. Tucker only had 11 on four of 13 shooting, two of six from three. Like I said, one of those threes was the was the stupid, you know, heave at the at the top of the key that had that whole thing happen uh so lance jones doing a great job on tucker who played 38 minutes dj played 30 was had 14 points like i said he was really good in this game he led them in scoring he was making almost everything five of nine seemed a lot better than that honestly so he was he, he did not look like he wasn't 100 percent. i'll put it that way i'll get to another Sturts two of four 22 minutes seven points Two turnovers, three rebounds. Did fine, like I said, foul trouble. Did good on Marcus in the first half. Here it is. Roman Penn, 39 of 40 minutes, 1 of 15 from the field. I think there was one point before he made his first shot, he was like 0 of 8 before he made a shot with like four turnovers. He ended up with six turnovers, two points, 1 of 15 shooting. Six rebounds, had seven assists, but terrible. I mean, if he's even if he makes two or three shots, they win. Who knows how the game plays out? And I, we were talking about X factors like Sturts clearly because he's arguably the best defender Mark is going to face outside of Donovan Clay in the Valley. And he did a great job on him. Foul trouble. And Roman Penn's the other X factor. If it's not Tucker dominating, we didn't expect DJ to do this well. We know he's good. Counted on him not being 100%. We knew Roman's good as well, but he did not make anything. He was trying to slop up floaters. Wasn't happening. He was turning it over. He looked like he wasn't 100%. And we know he dealt with injuries at the start of the year. He's only missed like two games. And that was an obviously non-conference. So a terrible game for Roman. Like I said, if he was – and it's funny because he likes to chirp a lot, likes to talk a lot, so it's good. He's one of the villains of the league, I think. Uh, but when you're on that kind of team, I guess it's warranted acting that way. Um so, yeah, him being bad was a reason why we won, so, but we played really good defense on him. I don't think he made any, like, easy shot or missed any easy easy looks. 
I think we just did a great job on him, and he was he was forcing up shots on his own. So he's the reason why they lost. Honestly, North Weatherton, they had what is this? A three by Calhoun, who was one of three, only got three shots off. That's a, he needs to get more shots off. Honestly, me and Noah kind of talked about that. In right, ten minutes. North Weather, thirteen minutes. So they they only had they only put an eight man bench. So the one that matters is ours. Clarence, though, eleven minutes, five rebounds. Had the two fouls, didn't play a lot the second half. We rode JD and Troy at the end of the game. One point from the free throw line. If if he, if someone would have told me if Clarence went 0 for 2 from the field or played 11 minutes, or if you just told me he scored one point, I'd said, yeah, we got blown out because we've been relying on Clarence a lot. So luckily that's how good JD's playing. But Clarence 11 minutes. Marcus 39 of 40 minutes. He did come out, I think, when – I don't think when the I think we were we were losing within ten and he came out, but he only like he didn't rest long and he came directly in at the, one of the medias. I think five of twelve though for Marcus, ten of eleven from the free throw line. He missed that crucial one, which could have cost us. Ten of eleven though, eight rebound. And I usually don't let stuff slide. Like if if we almost lost, I really don't care how you did, because it came to a crucial point when you missed and he shouldn't. It was it was you quiet as a church mouse for the for the easy cliche of. Uh, metaphor uh, that whenever he was shooting free throw. So that last one had no excuse, but he had eight rebounds, did have the 21 points and the biggest shot, and we rode him. We'll get to him again at the end. Trent, 14 minutes, didn't score, did have the one layup and missed two threes. He needs to make some of these threes, and some of them are within this. He had one wide open one off an offensive rebound and missed it, so he needs to start making, or he needs to sit down. Uh, X, 24 minutes, three of seven, eight points, three rebounds, and assist. Lance, 3 of 14, 8 points, 3 steals, 0 for 6 from 3. Lance did not hit a 3. He did have those 3 steals, which put him back in the steal column, which was good. Uh, Troy, 17 minutes, 3 points on that 3. Played good defense at times, though. Did have that one bad turnover, and it was a bad one. JD, 27 minutes, 6 points, 10 rebounds, 1 block. He had a point in this game where Marcus found him at the high post 3-point line where he made his 3. JD was kind of, well, 1, really good offensively. But he was creeping underneath the rim behind Brody and whoever was guarding him. And Marcus hit him on one of those passes that we said is an off. It's a great pass. We know JD hasn't been handling balls well when he's that low. And then, of course, <laughs> what do you know? Like It's like, don't make that pass to a guy who's limited offensively down there. But he took one dribble and had just a hook shot on Brody and made it. So it's like, obviously, it worked out. It looked great. JD is starting to impress us big time. This was the best he's looked in a Saluki uniform. We we talked about it. I can't remember any other time uh, last year. He had a lot of good moments last year, but I can, none that come to my mind. And we need him most right now. And he's playing like the best he has in a Saluki uniform. So great game from JD. Uh, they have three offensive boards, which is huge. Scotty played the one minute. We'll see him a lot, hopefully, moving forward, clearly. Uh, that was kind of a refresh for him, and I guess Brian disciplined him after that one play, which that turnover didn't even go to him, so it didn't even matter. Uh, Dalton, 17 minutes, two points, played. He was 1-5 of five from the field, 0-1 from three, did have the layup, but he played well, played good defense on Penn a lot. And then Jawan had four, need more still from him, but he did get off the schneid from three in 15 minutes. He said, do need more. I feel like Trent and Jawan are on the clock. Jawan's not, they're both not going to not play, but we need more from both of them. That's when we said, and the, one of the biggest things was Foster not playing in this game. Uh, AJ, of course, isn't playing. You could honestly get, I guarantee you, I don't want to guarantee anything, but no one are thinking that you could probably get this. Definitely Foster and Trent, same production. You just, obviously you take away Trent's defense, which is the only reason why he's playing. 
and the three potential. But Foster comes in and scores. He would have been a perfect matchup with Connor Enright in this game of matching of he doesn't have to do a whole lot defensively guarding a guy like that. And I mean Tucker, they did they do that with Tucker. I mean he's a great player, but he was guarding Trent and guarding whoever, Troy at times. So you know, you can bring a guy out there that's gonna give you offensive production, have him guard the least, you know, credible offensive player they have. So he should have played clearly. You'll get to that in a second again. Uh and then AJ, you know, made threes at Oklahoma State, played well, has those games under his belt, needs to play and get a run in a game. And if Jawan, who's his offensive rebounding, he is still setting charges and he's getting good looks. They're gonna fall like that one did tonight. He just needs to do more. And we think maybe on the cusp of getting the same production at AJ, but we know it's all not gonna happen. And obviously Cade didn't play again and now with Scotty back, Cade's not gonna play at all. So Cade won you know, Cade was a big reason why we wanted Cal Baptist but he shouldn't have played. He should have redshirted because I don't think he's going to play it all the rest of the year. So not in conference play. He can play against Evansville at home in Illinois. Illinois State's going to be harder than Evansville. When we play Evansville here in a week or more at home, and I think it's two weeks from or a week from this upcoming Wednesday against uh, Indiana State, then you can play or whenever it is that week, you can play him against Evansville maybe. Hopefully we're killing him. So that's whenever you see him get runs in games and AJ runs in games maybe as well. But just should have redshirted him. So that was that. Team stats-wise, uh, we shot – both teams shot 33, barely over 33%. They had four more shots than us. We shot 21 from three. They shot 37. 15 of 19 from a team from the line. They only shot six of eight from the free throw line, which is crazy. Definitely a difference. Both had 35 rebounds. They had 13 turnovers, nine turnovers for us. Another game below 10, which is a big deal for this team. Uh like I said, we had, what, four against Murray and then nine in this game. I don't remember what we had against Belmont. It was over 10. But we're looking better and better in that regard. So, like I said, did not shoot well, but neither did they. So their defense was good. Our defense was good. And I remember tweeting at the end. We were talking after that. Shout out to our player of the year, Marcus Tamask, and our defensive player of the year, Lance Jones. Like I said, Lance needs to be on. If he's guarding the the preseason player of the year like that, we know he can he can guard uh, a lot of other people moving forward in the league because we didn't really count on him for face guarding like he is right now. So we'll need that move, moving forward. I got some quick stats updates. Marcus is at 1,347 in 89 games at 21 past Dick Garrett uh, and Armand in this game, and Falker, he did that last game, Lance is right behind Randall on point score, Marcus will be climbing, he's behind Kai Nurmberger now, and he'll be climbing up that before we know it, more and more, uh, he also did, uh, Mike also posted about free throw percentage in his career, Marcus, and his career is an 82, or almost an 83% free throw shooter, which is 8th all time percentage wise, maybe he'll keep climbing that, uh, Greg Sterick, of course, great free throw shooter, was 91 for his career, he's not going to catch him, but and consecutive free throws made. Remember that stint last year, he made 32 straight. Uh, and then this year, obviously, he missed in this game, so the streak's broken now. He had a couple this year. He had 18 at one point this year and had a lot in his career. Uh, career minutes average, Marcus still leads that in his career in 89 games, 35 minutes per game. That's all time. It's ahead of Nate Burford. Buford from 84-85, 54 games, 34.4. Troy Hudson played 34 minutes. Lance is at 29 for his career. That's off the top 20. And the minutes average, Marcus is on here a lot. Uh, and then uh, I think that's it. 
Mike posted he did for a career assist. Marcus for, Marcus is 14th in assists now with 288. Lance is 20th with 255. So those guys will keep climbing those lists again as well. Quick quotes from Brian. He said, quote, it wasn't pretty. Two really good teams playing hard. We didn't get off to a good start, but for the last 30 minutes, I thought we really competed at a high level. We didn't shoot the ball well and had some turnovers, but in terms of effort, that was some high-level effort. Happy for Marcus. He just made a play. He drove. He cut it off. Then he got the ball back and made a play. That's what talented winning players do. I'll end it there, end quote. Actually, he did talk about JD. He said, JD came back from break, really motivated, wanted to play his best basketball moving forward. He's put a lot of extra work in. I'm happy for him that the results are paying off. He does a great job for us defensively, but he's also doing a great job for us on the offensive end. End quote. Couldn't agree more. Coach Brian, small takeaways I had just now were uh, that I mentioned, you know, I think rotations is one of the biggest gripes we have right now. Like when guys are coming in, when guys are coming out, who's not playing, and that's where I tied in Foster. Could have had a perfect matchup with – and Foster's been playing, obviously, every game. He didn't play against UNLV – uh, I don't even know if he played against Cal Baptist. Don't even remember. Cade did, so I'm assuming Foster did. Uh, but he needs to play. That's bottom line. Like I said, he could be doing just as much as what Trent's doing right now. Trent hasn't scored in three games. Three games Trent has not scored. And his defense has been fine, hasn't been great. He's still doing a, his his defense. But Foster needs to play. Should have played in this game. Uh, he could have guarded Connor in, right? So that's all I know. That's all either of us know. I think it's the biggest gripe we have. I think Noah has other gripes. But I think the biggest one that I, for sure, 100%, I'm all over is some of the rotations and how Foster doesn't play in this game. We're thinking that he's probably unhappy. He's got to be with the way he's been treated with minutes. But apparently he's still happy. And there's a whole thing, and, and Roddy mentioned this, is the team validating itself after a win like this and validating themselves on being good and fighting through ugly times. <clears throat> and even when people are doubting in the moment if they're going to win a game and this team's showing that they're resilient and they can finish these games. I mean, seven in a row, You now you've won three straight games against teams that are going to finish in the top half of the league. We recalled, and I know it's expanded this year, we were not good. I think Bradley, who was fifth, obviously we had one win against the top teams last year. And it was that home game where we were down big, stormed back, but we were winning big, and they came back, almost blew, we almost blew it. Uh but that's how we're actually beating good teams this year. One, really tough on the road that Bradley couldn't do. I'll get to that. And then we're just doing a really good job. And Drake's the opposite. They're doing what we were doing last year. They really haven't really beat good teams. They barely beat Valpo. They beat uh, – I don't even know who else they beat. They are 2-3, and three, though, and they lost to Missouri State. They lost to Indiana State, and they lost to us, all top teams. So Drake's not really doing a great job. I don't remember who the other team they beat was. It wasn't anybody good. Probably UIC, probably I don't remember. Um I don't remember. I'll have to look here in a second, but they're two and three and they're not beating good teams. Um so and then I mentioned we got him in foul trouble. Marcus had our final fifteen points. I think that solidifies his player of the year lead. Uh, there was a topic on some other things about it, and it's like, I don't think it's any question about it. Like, Tucker's not doing it. Indiana State has Macaulay, who missed a game. They're 5-0. and We're 4-1. You could say Rob Perry on a 4-1 team, no doubt about it, or Donovan Clay on a 4-1 team. Marcus is doing everything for us, and he scored 15 of our last 15 points. I think it's safe to say on a 4-1 team, he's leading the way after this effort here. Uh, so now let me get into the recent games that happened uh, in this first matchup or in this first of the two this week, we always do a stat update. 
uh, beforehand Wednesday's games. Uh, Northern Iowa won on a buzzer-beating uh, tip back against Valpo on the road. Indiana State handled Illinois State for most of the game, only one by nine. That's kind of deceiving. That was on the road in normal. Uh, Missouri State killed Evansville in Springfield. Uh, and then Belmont had uh, beat UIC 77-71 to 71 in Chicago. A good bounce back for Belmont. And then Murray, without Jamari Smith and with Brian Moorback, who scored 10 points, beat the Bradley Braves by nine points. I think Bradley was up big at first, and then Missouri State skidded by, was leading at half, and then finished the game. Rick Mast only had three points in 22 minutes, only had one rebound. He only had two fouls. So Jay Sean was good, and Zick Montgomery was good. DJ Burns was great, 16-10. and 10. Rob and Jacoby had 10, and then uh, Brian Moore, like I said, 10 off the bench without Jamari Smith. Huge win for Murray. I think Noah predicted that win. I didn't think Jamari wasn't – as soon as I saw Jamari wasn't playing, I said they're done. But they got the win. It's a huge win that helps us in the standings, helps Murray in the standings. They're now 4-1 and one as well. So good win, great win for Murray. And I wanted to say, because I saw Indiana State here with that game, I had a stat here that I literally just saw. Julian Larry in his last three games. He's taken off for them. Listen to this. He's shooting 86.9% from the field in three games. That is 20 of 23 from the field. Probably a couple threes in there, but we know he's really at, you know, he gets to the rim and scores. 15 assists to two turnovers in this time and that ratio, and he's averaging 16.6 a game. Incredible. Incredible stuff that Julian Larry's putting up for the for the 5-0 and Sycamores right now. Had to add that in there. So before I talk about next week's game, I'll talk about some other things here real fast, some quick things around the Valley. I did see where Dana, uh, Dana, they were talking, and there was an article that Dana Ford's making his players stay in hotels when they're at home because they are unbelievable on the road, that the fact that he's making them stay there to give them that road feel to it, which I think can do it a little bit, but they know where they're at and stuff. It gives, lets them hone in on that because Missouri State's playing great. They've won four straight, and... They're riding high, and Dana Ford's doing that. Whatever works to keep this thing going. They are playing really well. I mentioned Julian stuff, some other stuff. I saw Fred Thatch is out for the year for SLU. He's got a torn ACL, which sucks for them because they are struggling. They just lost to George Washington the other day, so they'll be, they won't have one of their glue guys for the stretch of the A-10, which stinks. Had to add that in there. And then quickly, I'll, I'll talk about where Noah and I will beat them all. That's the Highland shootout to watch. Kennard Davis Jr., in the main event, it is the 31st annual Highland Shootout. They only had limited people last year, didn't go in 2021. They canceled it, so no one I haven't been since 2020. We had gone. He had gone, I think, a year or two before me. I started in, like, 2017. We always loved going there. We remember seeing when Chris Payton was signed to us. We went and watched him there. We've seen so many great players. Let me go through the players that have been there before. Uh, uh uh, Bradley Beal when he was at Chaminade, Jordan Goodwin, if people know him for the Wizards, went to SLU, had Altov. We watched him. We didn't watch Andre Gudal, obviously. Uh, EJ Liddell, you know, was on the Pelicans, hurt out for the year. Great Ohio State player, great Belleville West player. Darius Miles, Michael Porter Jr., and Jason Tatum, to name many more. Great players all the time. Uh, and I wanted to go through some of the players that are going to be there. There's a number two overall prospect that's going to Kentucky who's playing in this game. Um there is I'm trying to think what his name is off the top of my head now looking at it. Justin Edwards, 
he's on a team playing at Kentucky, or he's going to Kentucky. Uh, the Rubin brothers from uh, Chicago Simeon are going there. We know Miles is going to Loyola. Wesley's going to Northern Iowa. Marez Johnson, who's a stud big man going to Illinois. James Brown, another stud big man going to North Carolina, or a forward going to North Carolina. Kyan Evans, we were in on going to Colorado State. Caden Fish, we were in on going to Iowa State. The Kansas State's got a guy going to Jordan Pickett out of Belleville East. He's going to SIUE. Indiana State's got a player. Uh, find him here. Uh, had it. Cameron uh, Manyawu out of Kansas City team going to Indiana State. We'll keep an eye out for him. Some guy who's playing is going to Air Force, Air Force for football. And BJ Ward, a Chaminade player, is going to SEMO. So. A lot of good talent. Uh, Brock Harding, who we've been in on, going to Iowa. I mentioned Justin Edwards, the number. So we're seeing two top 15 players in this tournament. And then what, what do you know at the very end? Kennard Davis, Vashon, going to our Salukis. We, there were some stats of, of uh, or there were some things that we saw on Twitter that uh, he's been doing pretty well. And uh, Kennard has, if I can go back and find the likes of some previous games. Uh, for Kennard here. Let me find it here. He had 14 points and a win on the 30th of December. Uh, he was big time down the stretch, making plays on both ends of the floor, helped his team pull away late in the game. That was just some stuff from some other places. And we'll see him tomorrow night in the main event. So looking forward to that. Won't spend too much time on it. We will we will recap Kennard and everything else when we come to you guys, I think, on, on next Tuesday to, to recap this fun tournament. We'll be posting while we're there, posting pictures of Kennard, uh, posting pictures while we're there. So keep up with that. So we'll be obviously live tweeting that during the UNI game as well because that's where we'll be all day in Highland, Illinois. Wanted to touch on that. And now let's jump into or I wanted to talk about let's talk about the other games first before we get into you and I. The other games going on are uh UIC's at Indiana State. Indiana State's 13 and a half point favorites. UIC's definitely covering plus that. I think you I think Indiana State gets the win though. Uh Evansville hosts Illinois State, who's Illinois State's one point favorite. I'll go with Illinois State. I could see that being a trap game and Evansville winning this game at home. But I'll say Illinois State. Bradley will get the win. At that or at home against Valpo, I thought it was on the road. Fifteen and a half point favorites. That's ridiculous. They are great home teams. So Bradley, like Drake, great or terrible road teams. Uh, I think Valpo covers the fifteen and a half. What they lose, I thought that game was at Valpo when Owen and I were talking about it earlier. Great one here, Missouri State at Belmont. Belmont's one and a half point favorites. Ooh, that's tough. I think Missouri State goes in there and wins. They're riding too high right now. Give Belmont their. Uh, other loss gets in the three and three in conference. One and a half point. I'll say Missouri State covers that and wins on the road. That'll be tough though. Belmont uh, beat Bradley at that place without Kate Tyson. So it's going to be a great game. And then on ESPNU at five o'clock. That game's at four o'clock. The one I just mentioned. The others are at one o'clock with ours. This one's Saturday, five p.m. ESPNU. Drake eight point favorites at home against Murray State. Who should have Jamari Smith back? Drake's a great home team. Murray is a matchup that they haven't seen. I mean, they beat Bradley. I was saying how Murray hadn't really been playing anybody. They beat Bradley without one of their best players. They get him back at Drake. Ooh, Drake's, I think Murray covers the eight, and I, that's a toss-up to me. If Drake Drake will get back on track, I think, in a close one, Murray plus eight. Like I said, ESPNU, those are the games this week. Uh, 
And then let's see here. Uh, ben Jacobson had an interview talked about how with his uh, recruiting that he needs to jump out of the box more. He wants to stick to the script of still relying on freshmen, but he said that you know they'll get in the portal and they didn't land guys they were in on this year, but he'll still do that. Uh, Austin Fife, he mentioned January 30th is when he's going to get a checkup with blood work. Uh, he's probably not going to play again this year or in the rest of his career. He said he's kind of a coach and the time that he's not playing. Uh, he was healthy to start the season, though, he said, and then it kind of spiraled out for him. He talked about Bowen a lot, talked about us a lot. I don't, <clears throat> I don't think I'm missing anything. He talked about losing Noah Carter to the portal. They had great conversations when he left and stuff. And a really good insight from Ben. We retweeted that if you guys want to check that out. I was going to go through stats, but UNI is not good really in any statistical category. Uh, they are low. I think the highest they are on the stats that I found was – 136th in field goal percentage. They're about 45%. Other than that, listen to these. 291st in fast break points, about seven. We're tied for 126. Bench points per game, 14. That's 316th in the country. We're actually tied with 20.19 with tied at 190 with Evansville, ironically. They are 315th in assists. They don't do that. They are tied for 347th in blocks. They're 140th in efficient field goal percentage. I mentioned 136 in regular. 193rd in field goal percentage defense, so they don't really get after you. They're 183rd in three-pointers attempted per game. They attempt about close to 22 a game. Have about a 33% clip. For reference, we are 57th and getting threes up a game, 25%. I don't know where that ranks. Not very high. And percentage and uh, attempts wise, percentage wise, still not, but we're right behind them at 32. They are 177th in three point defense. So yeah, I mentioned that we are 48th. We're keeping teams below 30%. They're 196th in free throws. So they only attempt about 17. We are awful at that. We are 298th in free throw percentage at 66% or they are, sorry, they are 298th in free throw percentage. They're not a good free throw shooting team. We know Bowen Bourne's good. I didn't really go through the personnel yet. Let me do that near the end here. And they, you and you and I does not rebound. We are one and a half point favorites. Noah picked Scotty to dominate in this game. I'll go with X. I think I picked him in recently because we need guys to, to hound Bowen. Jacobson mentioned guys are getting after him and he's still finding ways to put up points with our defense. We should be able to handle Bowen. But let's talk about the players that could hurt us if Bowen doesn't. Bowen is averaging 19 on the season. Not sure what he's doing conference play pretty good he's obviously competing for player of the year depending upon where they finish definitely for a first or second team nod he's shooting 44 percent from the field though not great 82 percent free throw shooter he's assisting but not really at a great clip at three he is he's barely getting a steal a game 42 from three so he's you can't leave him open that's bottom line Here's another one. The biggest one of the X factor in this game is Titan Anderson. People are talking about him being most improved player, true sophomore for you and I. Great player. Ben was raving about him. 14 and 9.2 rebounds with two assists. 51% from the field. Doesn't really turn it over. He is shooting 67% from the free throw line, though, and he's 33 from three. So he'll shoot it. I didn't think he would. I don't know what kind of clip that is. We mentioned Nate Heiss. He's on here. He's only played in two games. He's obviously out for the year. So they've took a lot of hits this year. No five, no Heiss. Here's another one. Another one going to be up for freshman of the year michael duax nine points a game five rebounds another x factory shooting 55 percent from the field six six gonna be a weird matchup uh he does not shoot threes though 22 percent he's 47 percent free throw shooter so got to get him to the line trey campbell their other freshman really good 29 minutes seven points four rebounds uh, 37 from the field. So he'll slop up shots. It looks like he's a 71% free throw shooter, 30 from three. Not great. Uh, he, uh, Jacobson was kind of raving about Landon Wolf, who's also a freshman. So they're really young. They're probably one of the youngest teams in the country. No doubts about it. I'd say bottom 10, probably youngest in the country. I don't know that stat. 
uh, six points for Wolf. Betts, five points. Cam Henry, or Cole Henry, excuse me, five points. So they're going to play a lot of guys, but they're really, really uh, young. I mean, they take advantage of that. That's bottom line. I'm sure they start Bowen, Titan, uh, Duax, Campbell, and Wolf, or Betts, or Cole. Not really sure. Let me go back real fast to their previous game against Valpone, who they started. Uh, they started Betts, Duax, Campbell, Anderson, and Bo- and Bourne. So they have Wolf and Cole Henry off the bench. Uh, obviously, that's manageable. They're, they got some okay size to them. We know we struggle to win at that place. I actually had reference. I think this quickly. This is, uh, let's see here, whatever meeting this is between. This is the 74th meeting between us. We lead at 38 to 35. Uh, and we are 53 and 44. Hence, and Cedar Falls, our last win on the road there came in 2019 with Kevion Pippen, who we would love to have. I mentioned it. We'll have a topic here. Noah and I will, before Arch Madness, have like a round of 32 bracket of uh, best Salukis all time. Or we might make a one, two, and three team of best Salukis since 2000. We were talking about that recently. It would be really fun to do. Keep an eye out for that. We might do that at some point. So Kevion led us to the win. Our last win there in 2019, we won by seven at the McLeod Center. We're two and two, nine and 23 all time at the McLeod Center. Uh, but in Cedar Falls, in general, we're 53 and 44. So we were decent where they were previous. This one, we're 9 and 23. Um, and we are th- and we've won, or let's see, we've won six of the last 10 matchups, which finds that hard, really hard to believe. We know we beat them in that crazy upset, Brian's fresh or first year. So overall, a decent matchup. And they have weapons, as I said. I mentioned one and a half. I, I expect us to cover. You and I have been playing some close games, except that one Missouri State one at home they had. Need to win this one to get to five and one, because then you get Indiana State next, who will obviously be tough at their place. And then they'll be looking to sweep us. And then we get Evansville and Illinois State. Illinois State first on at home, so we need this win. We can be seven and two after we play Illinois Indiana State if we lose that one. So, you know, any given any given day in the valley, we know every game's tough. This one will be tough. A one o'clock ESPN three game. We will be covering it, tweeting it while we're at the Highland Tournament best we can. Hopefully the the uh, the uh, we'll be retweeting. If you know we're not tweeting, you know the connection isn't great in that place. Have a lot going on that Saturday. Should be a fun day. One and a half point favorites. X and Scotty dogs of the game. Keep an eye for those guys. Need this win really bad so for next time until i come to you guys again hopefully we both will on tuesday to recap and preview our revenge game against the sycamores until then as always go dogs